stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Pam Grout, New York Times bestselling author, author of E Squared, amidst many, many other books. Welcome to the show, Pam. Hey, I am so honored to be here. I love talking to someone with an accent, so this is really fun for me. <laughs> and likewise, I'm, you have an accent yeah. to me as well. We were talking off air about 19 books. Art and Soul Reloaded is the latest one, which is really about innovation and, and mindset. But the dominant theme throughout all your work is this idea of do you live in a problem state of mind or do you live in a possibility state? And I'd love, before we even go there, Pam, to hear your own story because it's a fascinating one. So I grew up in the Midwest of the United States and I grew up in a you know small town and I always knew I wanted more you know than what I what I had. I mean I always knew I wanted to go places see things I wanted to travel. So I started getting into you know a lot of I don't know spiritual development, metaphysical things and I came to realize that once you get out of problem state, because I mean, the state of the world is that people live in problem state. We think of oh, all these things we want to fix and we come up with seven steps to fix them. But when you get into possibility state, then you realize that really anything is possible and you look at everything that happens to you as in what could be possible here. So it just changes your mindset and how you're looking at things. I'm, you know, someone, you know, it's become a, you know, best-selling author and it's, you know, because I've been open to, to, to possibility state and I always go towards that thing that makes me come most alive. And I think when you get into possibility state, that's what ends up happening. You know, I love to write. I love expressing myself through the written word. So I've always pursued that. And then by doing that, I've been able to, um, you know, do travel writing, which means I get to go, I get to travel all over the world and see all kinds of things and then write about it. So really whatever I get interested in as a writer, I get to, you know, get an assignment to write about, say, a person I want to meet or a, you know, a topic that interests me. And then I get an assignment and then I write about it. And then, um, you know, I mean, here's a story about E Square that's kind of cool. It came out in uh, 2013 on in January of 2013. And so on um, New Year's Eve of 2012, I took a big stick. I was visiting my sister um, and she lives in Savannah, Georgia, which is near a beach. And so we went out to the beach to watch the new year or to watch the fireworks for the new year celebration. And so I took a big stick and I wrote in the sand E squared, which, you know, is coming out in a month will become, will be an international bestseller. And then I, I mean, I wrote it in these big letters in the sand with a stick. And then of course I let the waves come in take that message out into the world. And then, of course, the book did go on to become this big international bestseller. It's been translated into 40 languages, and it's just been, uh, you know, a remarkable success story. So I don't know if that's the story you want me to tell, or I'm not quite sure which. Yeah. I've got a lot of stories. Yeah, well, so, yeah. yeah you, you, you nailed it. I mean, I, what I found reading E-squared was, you know, I did the experiments. And, and maybe we'll touch on some of the experiments to give a bit of context. Now, I, I highly recommend anybody listening, buy the book. It's a fantastic read. It's peppered with humor and real-life experience and stories such as this one you've told us, but also stories from the many people who have had miracles happen in their lives as a result of, of reading it. Just for context for audience, Pam gives an experiment essentially per chapter where the reader has to then try these out but one i thought pam was you asked the universe or god or you call the person the dude 
after the Big Lebowski, which I love. And you ask that question, a big burning question that you want answered. And you give an example of that yourself with your own career. Oh, right. Yes. I was sending out all these query letters. Yeah, this is kind of a fun story. And um, I was, you know, freelancing on the side. You know, I had a regular job. I was freelancing on the side. And I thought, you know, I would really like to just be a freelance writer and only write what I wanted to write. Because at the time I was writing fundraising letters. So I was writing. I mean, it was interesting work, but it was not exactly what I wanted to do. So I said, hey, dude, <laughs> you know, get, I'm going to I'm going to you know, give you this time frame and I want you to give me a really clear answer because I believe and that's one of the hypotheses hypotheses in the book is that if you ask for clear guidance and if you expect to get it you will get clear guidance but in my case I asked is this you know do I is it time for me to go out and become a freelance writer and then the next day I go into my boss and I ended up getting fired so that was like pretty clear guidance I think that might be the story that you're talking about Absolutely, but and, and okay, then, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then and then you talk obviously about you call it the Volkswagen Jetta principle, where you ask for something to to manifest, and it, sometimes we're so closed minded, like you talked about, we're living in a problem state that we don't see it appearing right before our eyes. Exactly. I mean, I get story after story of that. One of the things um, that's really different, I think, about this book, these principles, so to speak, have been out there for a long time. Like you mentioned a couple books that you had read, you know, Think and Grow Rich, um, the Abraham Hicks work. But what I've done in this book, and I think why it became such a smash hit is I didn't say to anybody, you need to believe this. I said, this is my theory. Here's an experiment to give it a try. And so I set it up with lab report sheets, and it's literally using the scientific method. And most of the experiments are about 48 hours. And so people can try it for themselves. So if you are asked to believe something, well, you know, sure, fine, you might believe it, you might not. But if you see it with your own two eyes, then, you know, your confidence in that principle will grow. So what I did in the book, it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't heard before. I mean, starting back from, I think in the Bible, it says, asking ye shall be given, you know, something like that. But um, this is like, is this really true? You know, let's, it's time to actually put this into practice. So I set it up, like I said, just like using the scientific, um, the scientific method, and so, you know, I give people lab report sheets, they put in the hypotheses and each of the nine principles, there is a hypothesis saying, you know, there really is this force out there that wants to interact with you. I think that's the first one, the do to bides, like you mentioned, that I took off from the, the big Lebowski. And so each one of them has a principle that I think is really important to know that can really make your life work better. It can make your, um, I don't know, it just can bring a lot of joy and happiness into your life if if you know about these principles and rather than take my word for it, I'm like, give it a try. That's all I ask. And so I set up the framework for people to try it out. And like I was telling you before we actually started this call is the most rewarding thing about this book is that I have, I get emails every day from people all over the world that have done these experiments and these amazing miraculous things that have happened for them. So it's just been really, really fun. In fact, the book that I wrote 
follow-up e-cube that I was telling you about, I have a chapter in there called, well, duh. <laughs> and it's all about, you know, some of the stories that people sent to me that, that happened to them after they were doing the experiment. So, um, so anyway, it's just been such a great blessing for me to have this book and to, you know, know these principles and to encourage people to, you know, give it a try themselves. And people need to be open to this. We talked about this as well before we came on air is so many people live with a veil in front of how they see the world. And there's a great quote that you have by Kurt Anderson in Eek Squared, which is everything we think we're seeing is all just a guess, a prediction our brains are making. I love that because we're adding up all the old paradigms that we are born into and maybe our fathers and mothers have had before us and our families have had or the neighborhood we live in, you know, lives within. And you're saying that there's a whole new paradigm there that's waiting to be discovered and and waiting for us to change how we see the world. Exactly. Well, how I see it, and, and even science would say this, everything that we believe to be actual reality is really just a placeholder, so to speak, until we get new information. So everything we're seeing in our world now is basically a placeholder for, until we get new information and we're constantly all this new information is is becoming available to us and as we lift the veil to use your term and that's such a great term because there is this veil over over the truth and um, once we lift that veil we find out the world is so much more interesting and benevolent and incredible than we ever ever imagined it's just you know it's just amazing what ends up happening and what could be possible for people when they let go of these, you know, we cement in these ideas like this is the way it is. And then that's all we'll ever see. But once you open up that there could be other things possible, then all kinds of things become possible. And how do you see people doing that, Pam? I know like you lay stuff down in, in E squared and E cubed, for example, and in your latest work, but what's the framework? I mean, I know, Sometimes it appears like a crisis in some people's world, like you said, sometimes getting fired. Some people look at the negative side of things and you go flip what you're seeing now to the possibility side. And because the door is forced closed on you, other ones will be opened. But how can people get into that mindset? The book that I wrote after EQ is called Thank and Grow, which is about gratitude. And I, in there, I've got like 30 different party games is what I call them. But because part of it is that when you start looking at life as more like you're playing with these principles instead of working at these principles. I mean, that's just like a little tiny tweak, but it makes a big difference. But anyway, what I say in there is when something, what we previously, you know, consider to be a problem, let's say, for example, if you get fired from your job. So what I suggest people do is if something like that happens, something that we would typically view as negative, I say, Put it on hold for three days because, you know, as soon as something we call bad and I'm using air quotes here, but as soon as something bad happens, you know, we call all our friends and we go, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe what happened. And we immediately go into this panic mode. And what we do is we call force forth those forces of, oh, my gosh, things are terrible. So I so what I say to people, I said, go ahead, give yourself permission that in three days you have every single right to panic. At that point, feel free to panic, join every listserv, you know, read every book you can about how to fix this problem. But in the meantime, for three days, open up to what could be possible. So for example, if you lose your job, it is possible now that A, you could find a job that pays a whole lot more. B, you could get a job that's a whole lot more convenient and easy to 
to where you live. So all kinds of things could happen if you don't go into that problem mode, like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. And I, you know, I was telling you about the stories that I get. I remember this one girl, you know, wrote to me and she had just gotten fired from her job. And then, and I said, oh, you know, congratulations. That's so great. And then about nine months later, she wrote me this incredible email about how her entire life had changed and she'd started her own business and all these things had happened to her. And she was, you know, really flying high. And so from that thing that looked like it was a a bad event ended up being this really great thing for her. I mean, Louise Hay, who was the publisher, she just you know made her transition this year, but she actually started her entire publishing company, Hay House, which publishes my book after she got cancer. And I mean, you know, it's like cancer. How could that be a good thing to happen to you? But it led her into investigating in like the mind body connection. She ended up curing herself of cancer. She ended up, you know, writing these books and then of course going on to start her own publishing company. So, you know, I like to talk about problems kind of like a pointless painting. You know, when you're right up in front of a pointless painting, all you see are dots. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just a bunch of dots. But as you step back and you look at the picture of your life, you know, from a bigger vantage point, you realize it's this gorgeous, amazing picture. And so I think what happens when we brand something, we label something problem state or something really bad's happening, then we then all we're doing is seeing, you know, the dots with our nose right up against that pointless painting. But as we step back and open up to the possibilities, then, you know, anything could happen. Do you want to get that out? Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. That's all right. That, <laughs> okay. That's my other fault. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. I was thinking when you were saying that about let's flip into art and soul reloaded now from a creativity point of view right so you, sometimes these you know you mentioned louise hay sometimes these crisis points happen and they force the veil to be lifted and as you said sometimes we ask and we don't realize that we've getting all these hints maybe that sick feeling in your stomach going to work every day is is a hint that you're not enjoying it you need to change you need to do something about it instead what we do is we drown it with red wine every night and we just su- suppress what our bodies and our minds are trying to tell us all the time. What's your advice around that? Because there's so many people unhappy in their jobs. I think that because we are all meant to be creative, like I feel like we are made in the image of the likeness of the great creator, you know, the call it what you want, but we, that's what we're, we're here to be creative. And I think sometimes when we get into these meaningless jobs, they're just kind of wrote over and over and over again, we're not being who we're meant to be and who we are meant to be is to be creators. And you know, that doesn't necessarily mean we're all meant to be artists or writers, but we're all meant to create some vision. We are here to expand the universe. You know, as you know, like ever since the Big Bang happened, the universe has just been expanding and expanding. And we are a really important force in the expansion of the universe. And so when we get stuck in problem state, and when we get stuck in this idea that we're, you know, just going to a job and following somebody else's plan for our lives, you know, we may not be doing our part to really expand the universe. I mean, there's no judgment in that or like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. It's just that there's so much more possible. So I don't know. I mean, I think for people that feel like they're stuck in a job that they don't like, I mean, that's really the universe kind of giving you some intel, some pretty important intel. And I think what happens is a lot of people don't listen to that. We're not really trained to listen to that. I mean, for an example, like, okay, as soon as your kid gets sick, for example, you rush them to the doctor. But if instead we would say to our child, you know, your body 
has the ability to heal itself. You know, inside of you is this healing force, but we don't tell, we don't tell our kids that we give them the message that somebody else has the answer, somebody else besides them. So this universe that's wanting to stream all this information, all this healing, all this, all these blessings is being thwarted because we are taught that we need to follow in line with this step of what we're supposed to do. I mean, who made up this thing of what we're supposed to do? So anyway, I mean, to get back to Art and Soul Reloaded is really about creativity and how each of us is meant to be creative. And that is our destiny. That is, um, we're all, you know, meant to, you know, follow our imaginations. And in fact, by using our imaginations, we can create a whole different world. And I think, you know, a lot of people would probably agree with me that right now, the reality, the placeholder that we've got going on right now could probably use an upgrade. So, um, you know, one of my big goals or missions in life is to change the dominant paradigm and to get people doing more what they are meant to do, which is expand the universe and be creative and use their imagination. Yeah, and thinking about what you said there about imagination and also children. So you mentioned about encouraging your children to cure themselves and, and not even cure themselves, but even be open to the possibility of that, not the problem of them being sick. I talked to so many leading people in their industries and their fields on the show, and I always ask the question about our education system, because in a way, children come into this world full of creativity, full of their natural state, and then we impose a, that veil again that paradigm on them and kind of go on oh, this is the way it is and when you're sick you go to the doctor and you get medication you get a prescription and then you take them and then you get better and in the school system though pam what is your view on that and what are we doing wrong and what can we do in the future because of this book, I've been asked to do workshops, and it wasn't something I'd necessarily done before. But one of the, what I often call my workshops, I will, for one thing, I call them play shops, but I call it reverse finishing school. I mean, remember that old term finishing school, you go and you learn the right manners and you learn, you know, which fork to use and, you know, all that kind of stuff that we teach our kids. I mean, our kids already know everything. In fact, if you haven't read EQ, I'm going to share this story, and this is one of my very favorite stories. So it's about this, um, five-year-old boy and his parents bring home a new baby and um, he just keeps bugging his parents. He wants some alone time with his baby sister and his parents, you know, they're worried about sibling rivalry and they're thinking, Hmm, what, 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 why does he want this alone time? Why does he want to be alone with his baby sister? You know, is, is he going to smother her? Is he, you know, jealous? I mean, what's going on? But he would not let this go. So finally the parents said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let you have your alone time with the baby, with your new baby sister, who's, you know, laying in her little bassinet. So the parents, you know, let him go up there and um, they're, they're peeking around the corner. And so, you know, the little boy, you know, walks up, he tiptoes up to the bassinet and he looks in and he goes, tell me about God. I'm starting to forget. And I think that story says it all because, you know, we are born with this great imagination, this great zest for life. I mean, all these things that we want to do, but we are little by little chip away, learn to follow the rules. And then before, you know, we know it, life's nothing but just a rote you know, resuscitation of every, all these rules that we were taught. So a lot of my new book is about getting more in that playful state because I mean, Einstein said, you know, when you're playful, that's when amazing things happen. I mean, he's the one that invented, you know, that came up with the, 
you know, E equals MC squared. I mean, so being in a playful state and again, being an imaginative, imaginative, um, create, um, creative state, that's when all kinds of miracles start coming to you. So, um, you know, going back, in fact, I always say to parents, um, you know, I have a daughter, I didn't always do this, but I did it to a certain degree. Someone gave me the advice. They said, you know, instead of you trying to get her to hurry up and do, you know, what you need to do, like, hurry up, put your shoes on, get a coat on, you know, all that stuff go slow down to her speed, you know, because a little kid, they're out there, they're looking at that ladybug and counting how many spots are on there. And they're watching the sun come up. They are seeing everything. They're imagining anything. I mean, if you really want to, you know, improve your life, just follow your kids. So I think instead of um, we parents training our children, we should really follow their lead because they know, I mean, everybody's their friend and they love everybody. And, you know, I mean, it really is, a much better world if, if you know, kids kind of, <laughs> if we followed their lead instead of, you know, doing what we're trying to train them to do. And, and that training, I mean, when you think of us as parents and we see a child coming out with a, an audacious statement that I'm going to do X or Y or whatever it is, our immediate reaction is one of protection and kind of going, oh, I don't want them to be hurt and I don't want the world to think a certain way of them. I think it's one of the great tragedies and I'm guilty of it myself where sometimes you kind of go, oh, I don't want them going out and doing that because what will people think? You know, and you're, you're going against everything that we should allow them to do. Even if they fail, they learn from those failures. Okay, I, for my child, I always said I would much rather she failed at doing what she loved than to not get to do what she loved. So I have been really good. She's now 24, and I did, I was pretty good. I mean, I still would take her to the doctor. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't fully you know, able to do some of the things that I, I, I now believe in, but I did really let her become her own person and, um, you know, and to exercise her creativity. And so we kind of stayed away from a lot of, you know, TV and that sort of thing. We're coming into New Year. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I was so happy we could connect before the New Year started, because I, I just feel E squared, E cubed and Art and Soul Reloaded, because it's a year long experiment, this one. And it does launch people into a world of creativity. And Innovation for me is evolution, it's creativity, it's changing paradigms, it's not about a new product or a new business model. And I feel your work, it's like an operating system to get there, to get to new ideas and new way of living. And I'd love if we could touch a little bit on Art and Soul Reloaded and maybe talk about some of the mindsets and some of the, the experiments that you talk about in that book. Okay, so they're not necessarily experiments, but what I do is I have, well, there's a couple different things in there. Each week, and there's 52 weeks literally in Art and Soul Reloaded. So it's like kind of a, um, I call it apprenticeship, you know, to find your bold, daring, audacious side. But so I give people these little um, assignments, like little things like, so they're all creativity assignments. So I call it um, just do it. Because I think a lot of thing that stops people is they think about it too much. So just do it is really important. That's that Nike slogan. Because if we think about anything, we'll talk ourselves out of doing it. So just do it and just try these different things. Don't put any judgments on it. So the book has 52 essays about um, the importance of being creative, about letting go of your judgments about yourself. And um, I talk, you know, about some of the things I had to let go of to, you know, to be a creator and some of the things that all creators. Oh, and I have a section there called 
um, you're in good company because everyone, every person that you look up to and go, oh, wow, what a great artist or a great inventor or a great entrepreneur, every one of them had their own doubts and to the point where they still have their own doubts, but they're, they do it anyway. Again, they just do it. So each week has, you know, this essay and then each week has a fun activity to do. And I, so, so it's called just do it. And then I have what I call Zumba for the soul. And it's three other little fun things you can do. And again, I'm all about fun and play. I think that's so important. And I think most adults have forgotten how to have fun. They literally don't know how to have fun. They're so busy following those rules we were talking about earlier. I mean, life is this great, exciting adventure. One of my favorite quotes is from Kurt Vonnegut, who says, we're here on earth to fart around. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. (laughs) So anyway, I love that, that quote from Kurt Vonnegut. So that's what that book is about. It's, it's literally an apprenticeship for a year year. And it's about just being bold and daring and audacious and trying different things. And I give people these little assignments. I mean, it's everything from, you know, come up with the title to your memoir, to make it to making a carpool karaoke. One of the practices I have in there every single day, I encourage people to write down three ideas every day. And what happens when we start coming up with ideas, just make it a religious practice. Like I'm going to do three ideas a day, just jot them down. It can be anything. It can be stupid. The biggest thing you got to do is let go of your judgments about yourself and this belief that, oh, it's not good enough, or I shouldn't say that, or I can't write that one down. No. I mean, as you start allowing yourself to brainstorm and allowing yourself to you know, let your mind run amok, you know, that's when really brilliant things start happening. So it just kind of gets your muscle going, your idea muscle working, because what happened and most of us, our, our imagination has, has totally atrophied. It doesn't even work anymore. And to think about it, if you're um, getting out of bed after, you know, say you had, you know, some surgery and you laid in bed for two weeks, you literally need physical therapy to get up and move again, because that's, you know, that's what happens when you don't use your body. And so most of us, our imagination has gone into atrophy. So I suggest the, um, you know, three ideas a day because it just kind of gets you activated back into that thing where your imagination can pour forth. So um, anyway, that's, that's one of the, the key things that I suggest for people to do. But then it does have all these fun little exercises or projects, whatever you want to call it for people to do too. Just to get back to a bit of science behind it, because you talked about, we can think about the paradigm shift. So th- these are little ways of you know, changing gradually. It's like going to the mind gym, isn't it? You take it step by step. And this is what you do across the years, a 52-week program of your mental gym. On a different level then, we talk about quantum physics, for example. This is what I love in your work. You don't get too deep on that, but you can. And if you would now, I'd love you to give us a little primer, in your words, of quantum physics and the world, the paradigm shifts that are possible. Okay, so we believe that the world is solid, right? I mean, we think like I'm sitting at a table right now and it feels like it's solid. It looks like it's solid. Well, it really isn't. It's actually vibrating molecules. I mean, that's what, you know, they have discovered is the truth. And so what happens is once you start believing things are a certain way, then it literally makes a hologram and it it limits you to that thing. It's like you literally cement in that particular reality. But if you could really see, again, pulling back the veil, you realize that the world is this vibrating frequency of energy everywhere. Everywhere you look is energy. I mean, even in what looks like air with space, it's, it's vibrating energy. So um, what happens is 
the observer affects their reality. So you start looking at the world a certain way. They call it the observer effect in quantum physics. And so, it, you know, there's that famous experiment. If you, if the scientists had expected to see waves in this particular thing, they saw waves. Those that expected to see a matter saw matter. So it literally is what's coming from your brain. What the observer is expecting is what they end up seeing. And most of us have, you know, made this placeholder of how we think reality is. But when you become open to this, you know, other possibilities and you start letting go of all those really cemented in beliefs that you have, then you start, you know, things kind of loosen up a little bit. That's when more possibilities are available to you. It's like it goes from being that really solid state and this is the way the world is to, wow, maybe the world is this way instead. I mean, I talk a lot about, you know, these higher forces that in the in, you know, E squared, I call it the field of infinite potentiality in art and soul. I call it the muses, but it's really this field. It's this thing that, you know, Einstein talked about this, this bigger thing that is available to us that wants to continually expand, continually create, and we have access to it. In fact, we are its drivers. And it's like it's bigger than we can even put our minds around. You know, we have decided the way the world is. And as long as we believe it's that way, we will continue to see that day after day. So as we open up and just let go a little bit, you know, a little bit, just try a few new ideas, a few new things, and then it gets easier and easier for that to come about. And, and is this why then, Pam, ideas like journaling and like visualization and visual boards become so important because you start seeing a different reality or desired reality. And in the way you've brilliantly described quantum physics there, if you're doing that and everything's energy and you start seeing things as you want them to see, they'll start verging towards that reality. Right. So start being what you want to be. <laughs> we think, oh, I, I'm not that. Well, okay, let's say, just to use one example, let's say you want to have more money. Start being a wealthy person. I mean, what is a wealthy person? Start being that. You know, if you want to be a more loving parent, what does a loving parent do? Start being that. It may not be, um, you know, the reality that you're seeing now, but again, that's just a placeholder. That's that cemented in, you know, hard hologram, that solid hologram that we're looking at, but it can be brought back to be vibrating <laughs> to where a new possibility can come in. In any real way, it's like so out there what is really the truth about the way the world actually works. It's so much bigger than anything we can imagine. It's hard to even get our heads around it. But that's why the more we open up, the more, you know, these new things can come in. Finally then, Pam, coming into the new year, what would be your one wish for people to take into the new year? Some simple steps they could take to change their view. I'm a big believer in gratitude and being grateful and trying to see the gift in everything. Like we talked, you know, earlier about some of the negative things that we look at, you know, maybe there's a gift in it to really start looking at gratitude. I've got a little practice and I don't know if you've heard me talk about this. I often talk about my little AA 2.0 program. And so I can share that with your listeners. You know, there's the AA program, you know, the 12 step program you know, well, I'm all about smooth and easy. So my little AA 2.0 is a two-step program. And this is what I suggest people do. Every day I get up and I say something, this is step number one, something really amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. I start my day with this intention that something really cool is going to happen. And then the second step of this little AA 2.0 is I have five friends, I call them my possibility posse, and I text them blessings from the day before. 
and the, the one rule about this, you know, everybody saw, oh, gratitude, it's a great thing. But now with this program, every day you have to write down three new blessings, something new that happens. So I feel like I'm like this explorer out there and I'm looking for these blessings. I'm waiting to see these blessings. And so it's a whole different mindset. And then again, it opens up that, you know, back to that vibratory matter to where the cool things can start forming. So gratitude to me, it's the tonic, it's the everything that changes our world. And you mentioned just neurologically as well that your brain, when you do that, it's almost like your brain becomes a private investigator and starts looking for ways to make that reality happen. Exactly. Yeah. And I talk a lot about it. Some of my future books, then, then he squared a lot about physiology, like even doing silly things like dance to the bathroom in the morning. I mean, you know, everybody has to get out of their bed and go to the bathroom, you know, to brush their teeth, whatever. But how about dancing there, you know, singing in the shower, doing even little creative acts like that it just kind of shakes things up a little bit. So, you know, that's some of the real simple things. It's like people don't even have to like radically change their life. But when you make those little steps like that, it does radically change your life. Eventually, you know, if you're open to that, if you, you know, start approaching things with a little bit more fun, playful attitude. Brilliant, Pam. Well, we really re appreciate your time on the show. Pam Grouth, author of E Squared, E Cubed, Thank and Grow Rich, Art and Soul Reloaded, Jumpstart Your Metabolism, Living Big, and many, many other books I'll link to in the show notes. Pam, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been great talking to you. Thank you.